Welcome back to Gospel-Centered Rest, where we discuss topics of life and theology and how Christ's promise of rest for the weary and heavy laden gives us strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Now, I am joined again in the studio. Is that what we are calling it? The studio? The studio. Um, with pastors David Robinson and Byron Burton. And today we are going to be talking about our... Um, our key value of gospel-centered worship here at Grace Bible Church and why having an understanding of gospel-centered worship is is so important, not just for the church, but for our individual lives in general. So gentlemen, how are you? Doing well. Yeah, can I just say, this is, <laughs> first of all, the music. Are you vibing again? <laughs> no, no vibes. No vibes. But what a beautiful day. <laughs> yeah. This is this is Tuesday. It goes out on the Wednesday. So I don't know what Wednesday will be like. But this is just it it just lifts the spirits. It it, it really is um the blessing of yeah. the creation and the sun. Uh it's so we're excited. This is gonna be a happy podcast because yeah. we're yeah. we're no longer, you know, struggling with dark clouds and rain and cold it just makes you so grateful for seasons and even in canada you go from snow to sun yeah. to warmth yeah I, I like this season you like this season i'm, I'm pro this season me too so i'm in hotter yeah. the better yep. so have you been out running yet david i have yeah yep good yep. man even i running who wins oh i can't answer <laughs> <laughs> can't or you won't know. we both do because we're, yeah. we're we're outside good for you good and, answer uh, we watch good all answer. we watch all the other runners run past us <laughs> so yeah but we just say we're pacing ourselves yeah good good <laughs> good i'm always cheering people on when we're driving and we see yeah. people running i'm like good for you yeah and I'm just honestly you know yeah Sometimes I may give them a little shout. <laughs> Keep going. You got this. And they don't understand you. Yeah. So yeah. They, they, <laughs> Who knows? They could be running from something and yeah. looking for help or something. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, now speaking of running, let's run right on into uh, gospel-centered oh, worship. It's a good segue. No. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, so this is this is one of our key values here at Grace Bible Church. In fact, we could probably argue that this key value really impacts um, a lot of our key values uh, at our church. Every one of them, basically everything that we do here, is for a focus on worship of God and worship of of His of His goodness. Um, so to open up the discussion question david maybe you can answer this one why do we have an emphasis on gospel centered when it comes to these key values um last week we discussed um the beginning of our mission statement which is finding rest and relationship in god through gospel centered worship why the emphasis on gospel centered like isn't saying gospel centered a little redundant yeah you would think so uh but even in scripture um, there's, there's this emphasis on gospel centered because we need to be reminded of that. Right. Again, the, there's so many ways that you can answer this, but I, I think maybe, um, Exodus 20, 
uh, is is maybe just a way to answer this. Uh, so th- the Israelites are coming out of Egypt. They've been delivered mm. out of slavery. And uh, in the commandments, the, the summary of commandments that God gives in Exodus 20 begins with, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the out of the place of slavery. So he talks about a redemptive story, this great redemptive story of, of deliverance mm-hmm. um, for God's people. And then this first command, God's first command is do not have other gods besides me. <laughs> yeah. Like you would think he could say, worship me. Uh, but he knows our hearts and he knows that we worship a ton of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and our hearts are captivated by so much, or we even take what's good from God and uh, we make it bad. We begin to idolize our passions or idolize our, the, the good things that God has created and, and turn them into things that will uh, ultimately destroy us if carried to their ultimate end and devalue the person of God. So mm. we use gospel-centered rest because um, we want to acknowledge that we need to be reminded of that again and again, um, that it is... It is a Christ-centered worship. It is a f- the fullness of the gospel in terms of being saved from our sin and then living out the gospel by the grace of the Holy Spirit, um, the indwelling of or the, our union with Christ, the Father of God. I, I can't help but think of uh, one of the terms that Paul Tripp always uses. One of the phrases is uh, sometimes we have gospel amnesia. Yeah, and I think just putting that there, gospel centered, um, kind of um, helps with that gospel amnesia yeah. Yeah. we might have, and we fall into sin, or you know, to remember that worship itself uh, is a is a gospel centered act. It's yeah. it's we should look to the gospel. We should look to the truth of God's word to define what worship truly is. Yeah, and the second command, uh, like, do not make an idol goes on in verse five, do not bow down in worship to them and do not serve them. So worship uh, leads us to serving. Yeah. So the more we understand the gospel and the, the greater the gospel influence on our lives, it's not just the worship that impacts us internally and lifts our hearts and minds and thoughts to God, but it, you know, who, who we worship or what we worship, we serve. So if it's gospel centered worship, we're seeking to serve, serve Christ. That's good. And sometimes we might have the question, which brings us really to the question. We have that question. We've heard the question. What is worship? Uh, what is worship truly? And I think, I think this has been maybe misunderstood a little bit, uh, even within our Christian circles as to what worship is. When we say the word worship, some people might think it's singing. Um, it's, um, you know, coming and singing these songs, which I think is a part of worship. But I think the Bible gives us some really good, clear direction as to what what physically worship looks like. Like when you think about Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, to present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. So from Romans 12, and Romans 12 goes on to explain what this looks like, but from Romans 12, we understand that worship is basically um, a lifestyle of who we are with the Lord. When, when we become saved and we've repented of our sin and Christ has, has um, saved us from our sin and his righteousness now 
is imputed onto us, we are now expected to live a lifestyle of worship, not just expected, but that's part of the blessing of being a Christian is that you get to live in this newness of life where um, death and sin have been defeated by Christ. And so worship really is how we live our daily lives. Do we worship God in the acts of caring for one another as Romans 12 goes on to explain. Um, But then I think too, also um, answering the question would be, what does worship look like corporately? And I love that, (laughs) that the Bible gives us um, some good direction as to what gospel center worship looks corporately. If you think of Ezra chapter three, verses one to seven, we see um, sacrifice and worship being restored for the people of Israel. And there's a number of things that kind of jump out um, in these verses that give us an idea of what corporate worship looks like when you're coming together as brothers and sisters in Christ and worshiping the Lord. Um, You see that first they, they came together to do it from verses one and two, when the seventh month arrived and Israelites were in their towns, the people gathered as one in Jerusalem um, Jeshua, son of Jazadik, that's a sweet name, and his brothers, the priests, along with Zerubbabel, son of uh, Shiltai, and his brothers again to build an altar of Israel's God in order to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. So they came together to prepare for worship. Um, so that's that's part of what part of what worship is. But we also go on to see in this passage that it involved a humble recognition and confession of sin. So after they've come together to worship together, verses three to six, they humbly recognize their need for God and their um, their failures as humans and that they need to confess their sin before a holy, loving, just, and righteous God, which became part of their worship too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to read the verses, but you can read them if you, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you like. Um, but then we also see that they followed God's specific order for worship. God had a very specific way of how he was to be worshiped. And they followed that order in verses two and four. And we still today have a specific order that God said, this is part of what worship is when you come together corporately. Preaching of the word, that's part of what worship is. Uh, Reading the word together, that's part of what worship is corporately. Um, Celebrating baptisms, um, celebrating the Lord's Supper, that's all part of uh, corporate worship of how God has called us to specifically order our worship, including singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, encouraging one another. That's part of what corporate worship is. But then we also see in this passage that they gave generous financial and tangible gifts. And we see this exemplified as well. Um, And they did all this in verse four to celebrate God's redeeming nature. Uh, Worship is a celebration of who God is and his redeeming nature. So the Bible does get specific about what worship is. And you could go on talking about all the different kinds of nuances and different passages that hit on it and different things like that. Um, but would you guys add anything to that question? What is, what is worship? It seems to me that the biggest thing that people struggle with is that identification that worship is music. And it's almost like you slide back to that unless you're deliberately thinking and 
forcing yourself to think, no, there's more to that. That that's one part of worship. Um, like as a church, we want to keep things simple. And we talk about Acts chapter two and how they're devoting to the apostles teaching and they're praying together and they're fellowshipping together and they're breaking bread together. And we can think of all those things as separate activities, but they all can be done in light of God's worth. So they're all done as worship and they are acts of worship. If you're doing them because of your love of God, because of what God has done for you with that in mind. So it, it affects everything. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I, again, that passage in Ezra chapter three, uh, verse four, I'm going to read it because it actually is a really good verse, but they celebrated the festival of shelters as prescribed and as prescribed like that, that phrase is in there as the Lord wanted them to, they celebrated the redeeming nature of God, the way that God wanted them to, um, and offered burnt offerings each day based on the number specified by the ordinance for each festival day. So they followed an actual act, um, an ordered act from God himself that was a celebration of the redeeming nature of God through all these different ways of worshiping him. Would you add anything to that, David? I would just say it's fascinating when you move into the New Testament, you have those elements. Yeah. But the wide variety of how those elements are put together within a variety of cultures, strengths within certain churches. But each one of those elements is really the desire of the believer's heart. Uh, we want to hear God's word. We want to pray together. And that's part of the difficulty of the pandemic is at this time we're not able to do that, which I think makes us hunger for it more yeah. in a generation that hasn't had to um, not meet or yeah, hasn't been able to meet like this. So God, God's an amazing God that he, the very things that help us express our love for him and his greatness, he gives. And they're so profoundly simple and yet rich at the same time. Like when you think of it, preaching and teaching, uh, how much that builds up our heart or just praying together, hearing someone else pray, um, what that does, letting, or someone else is singing beside us. And we're not the only Christian singing that song. There's a family around us, uh, especially celebrating the Lord's supper, communal prayer, um, pastoral prayers, uh, sometimes our, um, you know, confession of sin before one another, with one another, all of those are the longing of the heart, but we wouldn't have, they would not have been our emphasis. Right. We would not have chosen them, but God has chosen them for us because they become that pathway of expressing his worthiness and love. So he's amazing in his provision. So I'm glad that you, that you brought that up, um, speaking specifically about the pandemic and how things do look different now um, because there's so much different opinions out there as to if we can actually really do worship the way that we should be during a time like this when, when we can't meet, but what would your encouragement be? Um, and what would your advice be to somebody who's, who's struggling with that 
and who's trying to trying to work through that uh, feeling like maybe they're disobeying God in a way because we're not being able to come together um, during this time. I guess the verse that jumps to my mind, and it's not uh, an obvious connection at all, Paul saying, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, mm-hmm. do it for the glory of God. Now, they weren't doing that in the midst of their church service. Right. That was part of their everyday ongoing life. And we've said worship covers everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we value corporate coming together as a body. Yes. Worship. Yes. Right now, we're recognizing probably more than any of us have before the value of that. Mm-hmm. But we also have the benefit of private, personal, couple, family, small group, mm-hmm. worship aspects. And when Paul talks about that, it's the everyday life. So when I'm struggling, am I disobeying God because I'm not in a large group here right now? Mm-hmm. Am I honoring God? Am I wanting to live for God under the restrictions? Who am I connecting with that we can thank God and recognize his worth together on the phone, on a Zoom, by email, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I am not worshiping in that aspect right now. And obey. I would say obeying God and obeying the authorities he's placed over us is an act of worship. Mm-hmm. So yeah. God has brought this about. I can worship him by choosing to obey, even as I worship him in a different setting as well. So it's ironic. It wouldn't be something we ever set up to do, but I think that can help us not feel that we're disobeying God in some way. Well, I mean, earlier we talked about Romans 12, about your, our our personal act of worship. Romans 13 comes right after Mm -hmm. Romans 12. So Mm -hmm. it's connected in the context there, but what an opportunity I've thought that we have as as believers as a church to really focus on our personal worship lives as well and is our personal life of worship one that um is it a romans 12 kind of lifestyle or or is it all about me individualistic and um yeah so i i kind of see this like as an opportunity for us to not just not just think about corporate worship um, in, in a sense, but also think about personally, like how are, how are we doing personally? Yeah. Uh, there's so much goes through my mind in this and I, I actually don't want to talk about it a lot right. just because it's been talked about a lot. Um, I do want to acknowledge how difficult it is not to gather. Yeah. It's just difficult. It's just bottom line difficult, um, but there's a lot of difficult things God sends into our life, and how much He teaches us uh, to um, through those times of difficulty and through those times of suffering. So that often when we come out of yeah. the suffering, it's not a path that we would have chosen, but it's a path that God knew we needed to go through to grow us in worship. Amen. Some things have been removed from us and we're still learning that Christ is the one who is all worthy. So even though we may have things removed, we have everything in Christ. And that's not to downplay that we, we miss gathering. Um, in this whole conversation, nobody's, nobody likes that we're not gathering. We can disagree on certain responses, 
Um, and, and then maybe the final thing I'll just say is there's a, there's a lot of fear out there mm-hmm. that if certain things aren't done certain people's way, then it's going to turn out really, really bad. Um, and it's, it's hard to, it's easy to lead people into fear to create certain responses. Mm-hmm. But we read our fears in the Lord and Christ leads us towards faith, not fear. And when we're led in faith, um, we won't understand everything. We will need to persevere and be patient in certain matters. But God grows our faith. And so when we come back after the pandemic, my expectation is we will have, as Byron said, a greater appreciation of worship. Yeah. But not just a greater appreciation of worship, but of God. Amen. Of worship. Because we've missed it. Um, it's been removed from us for a bit. But to be able to gather and worship, yeah. what, a, what a moment. And um, that the Lord would humble us. Um, we would repent of our sins. Mm. And we would be in the face or in the, in the presence of God worshiping. So um, Christ reigns on the throne. These aren't just cliches. They're, they're biblical truths that we're grasping on by faith and saying we, we serve a great God who one day by God's grace we will, we will gather. And then I said that would be my final thing, but this will be my final, final thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> our worship here is just a glimpse of the worship that will come in glory. Yes. So even when we come back to worship, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll be flawed. We won't get it right. We'll be, you know, there'll be all sorts of struggles, but part of going through this is a longing for the final day when we will be in the presence of God yeah. and like the fullness of our hearts, being able to express our love and our adoration and his greatness without all of our struggling with sin yeah. and, and all of that. Yeah. So it, it, it makes us long for the new heavens and the new earth. Yeah, it becomes that picture of what we're going to be doing for eternity um, with other believers and doing it forever, worshiping God forever. Yeah. 